This is the podcast where we celebrate all things podcasts, all types of podcasts, and all the ideas that people have that they, you know, don't follow through in or just talk about a lot. You know, people are all talking, no action. And we celebrate that here because we like the idea more than the thing. So this podcast is all about the ideas becoming the things, at least for a short period of time. We have a guest on who pitches a podcast to me, and then we record an episode of that. And uh, today the guest is Corey. It's me. Hey, Corey. Hey. Hey. And it's a great, you know, actually is a really good, of you just saying like, you know, let's make a thing. It's very, almost like our gang or something of like, well, let's put on a show. Today's day and age where we can do that, as we were just talking about off mic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, on mic. On mic, but we're not going (laughs) to. But you're not going to hear that, but yeah. So uh, yeah, you can you can just do a thing these days. It's actually really easy, but I think a lot of people are a little uh, worried about what it'll sound like, um, or you know, just sort of nervous about doing it, committing to it. You know, I think the thing with podcasts because I this whole podcast started because of all the different ideas that I've had and other people have told me about for their podcast. But then to commit to doing a podcast every week, to commit to doing one idea every week is is kind of weird and scary. But if you just do whatever every week, whatever one person wants to do every week, it's yeah. a lot. Uh, it's a lot more fun. So, well, see, you'll, you know, sometimes it's hard to find guests that might fit the tone of whatever your th- podcast theme would be. So, for sure, now all you have to do is find the guest, and then they'll and set then, the tone. Yeah, I also, I think I said this on a previous episode, or at least discussed it uh, off mic on a previous episode. But uh, the, my real desire for this uh, podcast was because people would tell me about their podcast idea. And then mm-hmm. I'd be like, when you make that, I want to be a guest on it because that sounds like fun. But yeah. then nobody ever made those podcasts, so I could never guest on them. <laughs> yeah. That- so now I'm forcing them to have me as a guest on their podcast. <laughs> I'm just right. like, create your my goddamn podcast. podcast and let me be on it as a guest already. What if I did my podcast and I was like, the only condition I'll do it is if you're not a guest. You bring I will let else you on. on the show. This is my podcast. Yeah, right. Why I'm would you let me on at that point? Guest. <laughs> Um, but you have a podcast idea. Do you want I do. to? You, you ready? You feel good? You want to pitch it to, to us? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear ready. it. Let's do this. So um, I guess I should preface this a little bit and say that like I, uh, I love King of the Hill. Um, and I, you know, I've been watching it basically since it came on. Really? And, when it first started on yeah. TV? That was like, I, I love that the was early, right? That was 97, 97 98? 97, 98. Yeah. Something like that. 
and because uh, I love The Simpsons, and right. it, it came on after The Simpsons, right, and right. basically anything on that Sunday night lineup that came on were you, uh, around The Simpsons, I would. It was like an event. Like, were I you would, familiar with Mike Judge from Beavis and Butthead, or was it just like, oh, this yeah. is Sunday night animation? Because I knew, yeah, because I knew Beavis and, and I didn't, I didn't grow up with cable, so I didn't watch it that much. Like, yeah, I mean, friend's I house think or something. Our would, age group is 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 a little maybe under for Beavis and Butthead. I've I've noticed. I mean, like, I, I watched mean, it, but I, I didn't. I what you. I wasn't old enough to, I think, get into Beavis and Butthead. Right. I watched Beavis and Butthead, but I think if I was like maybe four years older than I was at the time, I would have been like, this show's amazing. But at the time, I was just yeah. like, oh, this is funny. They're, you know, doing funny things. Like the funniest thing about Beavis and Butthead at that age was like Cornholio and stuff. Yeah, you know? right. Which, Which was the it? movie. That's not even the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Cornholio. Yeah. But that uh, kind of stuff yeah. was like, oh, that's funny. But like the the more... You know, it was aimed, I think, for a little bit older than me. Sure. Yeah. Teen, mid-teens, at least. Yeah. Rather than, and like... I was, like, in fourth 10, grade when that show was 10 or popular. Yeah. Because we're the same age, right? You're I'm 86? 32. 85. 85. Okay. Yeah. So, so respect me. I'm your elder. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> Um But, yeah. King but of yeah. the Hill. Yeah. Um, King, so I watched King of the Hill, and I still watch it. I think it holds up pretty well, and I... I I'm always interested in like in kind of the values, I guess, of the show. Yeah. And how it's certainly flawed uh, as far as like values go, especially since it's, you know, it started in the late 90s and edited ended in the right late 2000s-ish, I think, mid Well, it, it's very indicative of that time period too. I mean, yeah. just the subject matter in a weird way uh, is I think um well, it's, yeah. It is about mm-hmm. a conservative Texas family. Sure, and it's almost it's almost anachronistic in a way, or it's like a, a bygone At this era. Point, yeah, but of, yeah, of this man who's a Texas conservative. I don't. I think right. he would. I mean, he obviously loved LBJ and George right. W. Bush, and talks about a Texan in the White House. Right. You know, and so it, it's it, almost weird in today's climate to think of like, oh, he was pretty moderate and probably right. very centrist by today's by today's standards, standards. for sure. Yeah. And it was all about him getting to know, I mean, the basic, I think, was him dealing with a evolving world of the late right. 90s, early 2000s. And always showing, like, the extreme version of For sure. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, sometimes yeah. a little ridiculous, like, oh, well, that's such a non-issue. Well, what's <laughs> interesting is, it, in that way, it is such a cartoon, too. Right, right. Actually, uh, I think Bob's Burgers is its closest sort of clone. And Bob's Burgers, we should do a whole podcast on Bob's I, Burgers, could, too. Because that is very... Uh, I, I mean, like, he's not conservative in the same way, but it does feel similar, yeah. where it's like everybody in that show is a caricature of, like, a normal sort of sub-genre of people. You know what right. I mean? Like, the I, old people who own the art store. Right. They kind of represent what, like, an elderly sort of you know, beach couple might be like, but yeah, they are crotchety very extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Bob's, if I can go off a bit of a tangent, sure. Very interesting thing about Bob's burgers as compared to, <laughs> as compared to King of the Hill is King of the Hill is all about getting Hank or whoever in an uncomfortable situation, kind of like uh, exploring that otherness. Of, right. There's something either foreign or something that's right. unfamiliar that's right. that's come in and kind of how they deal with it. Whereas Bob's Burgers almost embraces that otherness in a way. Yeah. Like example with the with the, the drag queens in the um 
in the in Bob's Burgers talking about marshmallow right, and right, right. like he was just driving the cab and it yeah. was just a thing and he yeah, didn't Bob is very open to new experiences in a weird way uh, yeah and you know even to it's Hank. a running it's a running joke now in, in Bob's Burgers of anytime yeah. marshmallow comes up he's just like oh hey marshmallow yeah and <laughs> that's the catchphrase of just like oh it's a Hi to this right, kind of right. what would otherwise be like a, a very ridiculous character, a very over the strangely, top character. I feel like a lot of times in Bob's Burgers, it is those strange characters meeting Bob on Bob's terms. I mean, mm-hmm. they come to the burger shop and they are regular people, mm-hmm. you know, at the burger shop. Where you're right, Hank Hill is he typically, deal. he's typically the one who's the fish out of water. But it, it's like they all kind of confirm to Bo- conform to Bob when they right. come in. They're just like. We're here for a burger. We like Bob. This is Bob's place, you know, <laughs> where it's, it's always the opposite with Hank. It's always right. dragging him into an uncomfortable situation, making him come to terms with it, you know. Right. It's rarely on his turn, on Hank's terms. I think King of the Hill, um, before we get into what your podcast actually is about, right. but I, I think King of the Hill is a, it gets kind of left out in the sort of rewatchability shows. Like I, you, yeah. you were saying you still watch it. I, I still watch it when I it comes love on TV. It. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the classic examples are probably like friends and Seinfeld and the mm-hmm. office, which the office is, uh, Greg Daniels too. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, was he, uh, he's the showrunner of the office, maybe co-creator of the American, the office. And, uh, yeah, he's, he comes from King of the Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Greg Daniels. I think he's an executive producer on, producer on uh, King of the Hill. But, okay. uh, but yeah, I feel like it has that same sort of rewatchability. I, honestly, I'd say Bob's Burgers are kind of is kind of in that. Oh yeah, I watch Realm too. So my, the shows that I personally will watch over and over and over again are King of the Hill, Bob's Burgers, Arrested Development. Rick and Morty, yeah, Simpsons, yeah. But see, you're animation leaning. I think there's a right. lot of people who much who kind of draw the line of animation in that way, where they go like, yeah, Arrested Development. I mean, I'm coming from a even that's kind of a cartoon in a way. Yeah, I'm it's, coming from a more like basic white girl version right. of this, but <laughs> it, it is like Friends DVDs. You can just watch endlessly. The Office, right. you can just watch endlessly. Mm-hmm. But I, I really do feel the same way about. Uh, King of the Hill I, again. I think a lot of people probably draw a line, but it is. Um, Those it people is, are it's, awful. Yeah, <laughs> it's watchable in that same way where it's it's you know it's a procedural show, not procedural, but episodic, episodic show. Yeah, it uh, doesn't and, really relate, and that's almost a drawback of King of the Hill in some ways because um, and the the thing that we're going to talk about, I'll go into it further, but there's not really continuity in the show. Yeah. Even even like arcs, character arcs, when they learn things. It doesn't necessarily carry over, but that I think some people look at that as a it's it's almost a bygone era of TV, right? That, that wasn't that the style. Was. But but that there is something that that makes a show so insanely rewatchable when it is uh, episodic in that way. I mean, it's why Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I know you're a fan of, I'm also mm-hmm. a fan of, is so much fun to watch because you can put on any random episode and like, I mean, there are characters <laughs> uh, that kind of come in and come out and like, right. you know, things happen that do affect the rest of the show. But for the most part, right. you know, what's going on as soon as you turn it on, they're on a spaceship, they're going to find some world and, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's something comforting in that. Um, right. How it's just, yeah. It, it, yeah. Whether you've watched star Trek or not, you pretty much suss out like, Oh, he's the captain it's, and they use it's existing. super easy in that way. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff about it that is very nuanced and complicated. I mean, I think that's what makes that show brilliant, but right in its format, it's simple. You know, mm-hmm. it is spaceship planets. We're going to interact with different, 
you know, playing different communities and different aliens and, and f- learn something. And they use existing military rankings too. So yeah. you don't even have to relearn right. yeah. anything. <laughs> like Air Force is like naval. I think it's naval. No, yeah, it's, maybe make sure I mean, Air Force and naval Captain rankings. and... It's um, Air Force. I can't remember what ensign would be. I yeah. Know. I don't know. I don't either. Um, Security offers. It's pretty on the, on the surface though. Right. You know. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, in that weird way, King of the Hill kind of works like that too, where, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of, actually, probably most of my King of the Hill watching was on uh, Adult Swim later on, you know? Right, and, syndicated. And yeah, syndicated, and, and at that point, you know, I wasn't watching episodes in order, I was watching whatever I happened to catch on TV on a night that I happened to be home when it was airing, you know? But mm-hmm. I loved the fuck out of it, you know? A lot of more linear shows, you can't really do that with. Right. Yeah. I mean, you like, can if you've watched them all before, but even still, it's kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, going back to Star Trek, like Star Trek Discovery is very much a serialized show. It'd be really, really hard to drop. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, I, I was. It's on Amazon Prime it. now, so I can't oh, really? watch it. Yeah. But I have. Because when it's on <laughs> Sorry, CBS, CBS Discovery, I was like, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all access. CBS. CBS All Access. I was just like, who the fuck is ever going to get this for. It's a pay service that has a show on it basically yeah oh my god what's that's happening it's a dog fight in the hallway now it's time for the building. dog barking version <laughs> of a podcast what you gonna say dog frequent frequent listeners will recognize that that sound <laughs> um okay so yeah your podcast is about king so, of the hill long story short my podcast yeah. <laughs> idea is about king i want to be uh specifically i'd like to talk about uh a, a specific episode of king of the hill and watch it okay and then do almost a literary or critical analysis of the episode and kind of break it apart and talk about the themes yeah that's awesome um talk about the the topics that were uh discussed in the episode and and how they dealt with it and whether that's uh you know because it is kind of like every episode of king of the hill is a very special episode of king of the hill they always are tackling some at least subject, you know, they're usually yeah. about something that is like, you know, this episode is about how Hank's going to deal with his boss who's cheating on his wife and what's that means to him as a, right. you know, very faithful person. Or this episode is about, you know, Peggy trying to be young and hip. I mean, a lot of the same right. things probably are covered in multiple episodes, but right. Well, because of the format of like, Hank is in a comfortable situation and yeah. then they make him not in a comfortable right. situation. So for a, you know, a person like that, who in some ways is very much an everyman, that of course that would be something that would be like an issue of the day because yeah. that's the, you know, that's what you would, that's what you would use to test a person like this or, or to show like their uh, growth or their metal or whatever. Right. That's great. So, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's really smart i think that's a really interesting i mean to to take something that exists and go episode by episode i guess you would have a different um guest on for each episode different guest different episode that's great man for every just break down an entire would you go chronologically you think not necessarily yeah you don't need to like what are you gonna do 100 how many episodes do you think there are like there's 311 seasons i think yeah the last season was weird it was like a six like a like a non-season or it was like released later or something like that it was weird yeah i kind of remember that but still on fox which is weird yeah yeah because it wasn't like it was no it was on fox and it just came out yeah like a few years after it's better than most shows that were on like sunday night usually they just get like can't like oliver bean or yeah (laughs) that was the one with jonah hill 
Was he? I don't even remember. No, no, Jonah Hill. Kid no, no, that one wasn't animated. Oliver Bean was no, like. No. Oh, Oliver Bean wasn't animated. It wasn't animated. Oh. It was. Uh, it was almost like um, uh, a Christmas Vacation or something. Like it was. It was nostalgic. Weird. It was set in the. Pa- was Christmas Vacation? That wasn't set in the past, was it? No. I mean the. It was current. It was at the, it, time. At the time. It wasn't. It was. I mean, like Christmas Story is what I meant. Oh right, right. Almost like Christmas Story. There was like a narrator, and it was set like. Interesting. In the, on Sunday nights, I thought all Sunday night was animation. No, occasionally. Well, the live action ones wouldn't last long usually. Really, that's it was interesting. Like future, like Futurama's animated. On it. It's lasted a long time. King of the Hill lasted a long time. Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers now. I mean, what's um, it? Probably in season seven or eight by now. I think it's eight. Yeah. Oh. Good for it. Good for. Bob. I that's remember. So I was show. a fan of um, uh, Lauren Bouchard. From uh, like home movies, from home and movies, and Doctor Katz, right? And also Brendan Small, but he's not involved in Bob's Burgers. But I was a big fan of him too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was a fan of his, and I remember they announced Bob's Burgers, and I was like, "This could be the next Simpsons. It's just a family." Oh yeah, and I was like, "This is gonna be awesome." And then I did think it was awesome, but I also was like. This will probably be canceled because I like it so much. And it's lasted yeah. so long. I love that. That's one thing that's actually cool about TV now is I feel like when I think something's cool, it has a good chance of I'm surviving. actually surviving. Whereas yeah. before, if I think yeah. it's good, no, 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 no one's going to watch it's this. Gone. <laughs> I remember the first time I felt guilty about not watching a show I liked was it was like a Super Mario Brothers Saturday morning cartoon show oh, that yeah. I, like, I meant to watch and then it got canceled and I felt personally <laughs> responsible. It's like I didn't watch it enough to support it. <laughs> That's great. All right, so yeah, I mean, if if that that sounds like a lot of fun, yeah. so we'll watch an episode. Spoiler alert: we have already watched an episode, but we'll don't break the illusion. <laughs> don't know. But we'll we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll do it. Do you have a name for the podcast? The boy, the, or the, the you name wrote it down. I chose, <laughs> I, the name I chose was the boy ain't right. It's fucking great. It's perfect. Yeah, the boy ain't right. Mm-hmm. How about a colon somewhere in there? The boy, <laughs> boy no. ain't right. Colon. This ain't of no. That was the other one I <laughs> this did. This ain't. <laughs> I'm pulling this ain't King of the Hill. I like that both uh, both both podcasts uh, that you've been a part of now have oh, yeah. in the ain't. title. Well, this is Atlanta. This is the ain't verse <laughs> with yeah. Corey Davino. Every oh shit, that should be a thing every time. It's gotta I finish. be. It's gotta be. Yeah, keep keep working on those ain't titles. All right. Well, yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll do the boy ain't right. Uh, hosted by Corey Domino and guesting mom and T. Joma. All right, we'll be right back with an awesome podcast about King of the Hill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Boy Ain't Right with your host, that's me, Corey Domino. This is episode 48 of The Boy Ain't Right, and today we've got a special guest, Mohammed T. Joma. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank it's about you. time. I'm so happy to be here. I know. I sorry it took me so long to I mean get over you on a year here. if this has been coming out once a week, right? Almost, yeah. Yeah. About a year, yeah, a year this uh May. Oh wow. Yeah. Forty eight. Yeah, fifty yeah, okay. three. Right. Ah, no. Exciting. Yeah. That's some quick math. So <laughs> we'll have to have a special episode that <laughs> one uh, for the year. Yeah. Um, have me back. Yeah, well, thanks. Get, get everybody who's been on the podcast. Me, Vin Diesel, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Jeffrey the Giraffe from Toys R Us. Uh, that was a two-parter. Some, some of your bigger stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, they pale in comparison to you. Thanks, buddy. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, so 
as fans of this podcast know, uh, what we do is uh, we have our guest uh, watch an episode I of did. King of the Hell, and we we did <laughs> we watched it together, and uh, then we discuss that episode at length, uh, discussing topics uh, that come up in the episode, character arcs, uh, themes, etc. Um, so the episode that we watched today. Uh, was from I was say, season. I wrote. I wrote it, I wrote I it down. And I was about to look it up. It's from season, <laughs> season seven, episode one, the Peggy Horror Picture Show. That's a good name for that episode. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Once you know the actual Meat plot of it. Of it. Um, so uh, I guess we should talk about. Uh, we should talk about the plot of the of the episode. Did so you, that did you find any of it to be uh, problematic? Considering um, it came out probably in early 2000 and we're well, in 2018 now, and it deals with at least it, drag queens. It was so I think they made, and I don't know how conscious this was, but they made an important distinction to drag queens, to drag queens, like not trans, trans women. Yeah, but he is dressed up like a woman outside of a drag show, which right. uh, to me was a little curious. Yes, he's the, the character whose male did, name was I, Jamie, whose yeah. female name was Carolyn. He definitely identified just as a for the most male part. who is a drag queen. I mean, he he didn't seem to until but he was dressed like a woman just out at a store right. when she met him. <laughs> Which I suppose that would maybe be more comfortable if you're going to to shop for women's clothes to be dressed as a woman already. Uh, I guess so. That's and probably true. I'm sure if you want to pass as a woman, then you'd probably want to be out in the world and, and right. pa- practice passing. Um, but yeah, but yeah as a transvestite, not a transsexual, but probably a gay cis man. Rather than We're getting a, really technical. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what <laughs> that's how it that's has to be. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, obviously they didn't bring. He was just a cross-dressing, well, a, right. a drag queen male, specifically because they're it, the show. The like putting on a show is kind of part of the, of the, of show. the plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also because it was a thirty-minute episode of King of the Hill from like early two thousand, <laughs> they didn't get into. The fact that they did this at all, and is honestly, the fact that that Hank is not is not He's, the central character well, in this episode at all. Really, he he has his moments, but he doesn't. Uh, he's not no. the one dealing with the drag queens in the show. It's all it's all Peggy. This episode. no, it's a very Peggy centric episode. It is, yeah. and I think really shows off um, also, Peggy as a character very well. We'll get into it in a second, but also the B story was great. <laughs> B story was like nothing. The it most was like nothing B story, <laughs> but I enjoyed it very much. The B story. Should we just talk about the B story real quick? Let's let, get it out of the way. Because okay. it doesn't tie in at, at all. all. Uh, not at all. Yeah, let's talk about the B story, and then we'll describe the, the A story. So, okay. the, so B the B story <laughs> was Bobby got a book from either a library or a bookstore. I can't remember what they said. Yeah, and he, it was like a prank it. book. Yeah, and they're doing pretty. It was standard. like a, it said it was a joke book, and then there were all pranks in there. That's also yeah, that's, I found curious. It was like jokes for smart, stupid jokes for smart Alex or something. Like yeah, that. but yeah, they weren't With jokes Doct- by Doctor Frankenstein. Doctor Frankenstein. Frankenstein. That's right. Frankenstein. Yeah. But yeah, there were no jokes in there. I thought that was interesting. Uh, the first one was uh, Dale was <laughs> nervous about a coup at yeah. the gun club. Yeah. And so uh, they he said he to had pre coup jitters. I wrote that down because I thought that was really funny. Pre coup jitters, uh, yeah. And so they said 
well, have a 25 cent massage yeah. and uh, do the uh, drawing, the, draw the, the sharpie, sharpie on, on the, the, end, on the edge then, of the quarter and roll it over your face. And give then him a couple lines. Yeah. So he did. He's like, this feels so good. And then the, he went to the gun club and everyone thought it was war paint. And, and so they followed him. And he was him the, more. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, shoot, he didn't. <laughs> He didn't get uh, shot or whatever the negative outcome yeah. would be. Well, he got made the new president of the coup. That coup was very interesting because it was just a bunch of guys in a meeting, by the way. I, I actually it. really love when they show the gun club. And it's really, it's almost like a knitting circle in a way. Yeah. That they I, shoot I, guns. I did at first, I mean, maybe, I guess the, the B story was that they keep doing pranks and they keep helping the person that they're pranking right. in some way, like <laughs> benefiting them. Um to where they think that their book is magical, yeah. like wish granting uh, prank book. Um, but I, I thought at first I was like, oh, it's a commentary on how um, on how the, this gun club doesn't have uh, a sense of humor because they didn't look at him right. and laugh. They looked at right. him and said, he's he's you know, they take themselves so seriously. Well, they take everything at face value. Right. Which is Literally. very kind of Dale of of that whole group. Like Dale yeah. is a guy who takes things at face value for sure. I mean Except when it's a crazy conspiracy. Yeah, I mean like he, the, he always is seeing crazy conspiracies. But he believes people. Well people they, personal in his personal life, he trusts them, you know. Yeah, I to mean, his, uh, his detriment. Mi- his other defining characteristic is that his wife cheats on him and he doesn't know about <laughs> right. it. That's, yeah, that's, that's the entire show. For, yeah, for <laughs> several seasons, that was kind of his wife's only real thing. Right, was, was that, that she's John sleeping Red with Corn, John Redcorn. Redcorn come in. But then they kind of, later on, she stopped cheating on him with John Redcorn and they, their marriage flourished because they had taken this long break. Nice. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I should say I haven't seen... Every episode at all. Get out! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, especially since this is your house. Yeah, that'd be weird. Be like, okay, the- Corey lives here now. <laughs> Here's the keys to my car and the front door, and that's Stan and that's Stella. In case you didn't know yet, my dogs. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I did. I liked the B story, even though it was so unconnected and very. Um, Bill met a drunk woman. Yeah, I actually I wrote uh, th- one of my most more uh, literary commentaries on it was that Bill is uh, the purest comedy figure in anything ever because he's like he's just like a buffoon that mm-hmm. like gets into situations. I mean, literally when he's crossing the street, he's like, "Oh, ow!" Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my he's god!" The dollar bill because it's the old fish and reel yeah. dollar bill fish and reel gag. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he like just he's, runs out into the street like a child. He's what? like. <laughs> He feels like he was like a theater comedy element from like Shakespeare or something. He's just oh, like, oh, yeah, Whoa. very, very commedia. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as a side note, another tangent in, in uh, high school and theater class, we learned about Commedia dell'arte and had a project where everyone had to choose a sitcom and, oh, and do that. I, actually, I think I might have done King of the Hill. Yeah. Either that or The Simpsons. I can't remember which yeah. one. Simpsons probably has a bunch, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Depending on what episode you're watching. Yeah, so we should do a Commedia dell'arte. That'd be cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, let's get out of this. Okay, one. sorry, we'll sorry, start sorry. the new yeah. one. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, uh, yeah. Besides, the B story does lend itself to introducing all the characters in the show that you don't see throughout the episode, like right. Bill's in it. Um, Connie's no, not Connie. What's the daughter's name? Uh, Connie. 
Oh, it's Connie the daughter. The, the, not, yeah, the, the, the wife. Super Newsom's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Con, because Con, it's Con, and so Con. it's Con Junior technically, but they call her right. Connie. What's the wife's name? Though? Min. Min. That's right. Okay. So yeah, Connie's in it. Uh, Daryl. Uh, Daryl's in it. Bill's in it. And yeah. And there's somebody else in the B story. Right? Don't they prank four people? Maybe it's just Joseph was the one at the end. Yeah, he just pranked. They pranked himself, but I don't think yeah. that that was the That's one it. one of them that didn't backfire. That's weirdly the that was the end of the B story, by the way. Yeah, when he's like, "Do it, to, do yeah. it to me." Yeah, and, and then, then smacks him in the smacks face, him and him that's him. that's the end of the B story. Um, but yeah, so the A story is um, so Peggy. Uh, it starts off with Peggy, Min, and Luann having a clothing swap where they bring their old clothes and yeah. they swap, you know, I want that, I want that. Right. And Peggy wants some shoes of Nancy's and they are too too small because she has large feet. Peggy, that's one of her defining characters. It's come up several times <laughs> throughout the series. One of the few uh, continuities <laughs> of the show. Is uh, Peggy's large feet. Yes. <laughs> and so um and then they go on to, which is actually kind of good foreshadowing. They they show uh, uh, men can't open a jar of pickles, and then Peggy and Peggy does. It. So she is a strong woman. Yeah, which is it, something it's, that it's it's a very um, simple sort of showing exactly what what uh, Peggy's whole deal is in mm-hmm. the very beginning of this episode. Is she's a bigger lady? She's a more masculine lady. Well, she's not even. So he's not like tall, no, or anything. I guess she or might be fat. She's just she might be she's like just stocky, like well built. Yeah, like she's solidly well built because yes. she plays softball yeah. and she's obviously. She's got, I mean, even in her character, like design, she's got broad shoulders. Yeah, she's kind of like kind a rectangle. She's got a strong chin. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say necessarily <laughs> mannish features, but no, not but, necessarily feminine. Yeah, not as much as like Nancy. Or, right, right. And King of the, and the style of King of the Hill, no one's like too feminine. Gorgeous. <laughs> Nobody yeah, it's has like, like a soft jawline or anything. Yeah, but. it's like uh, Bob's Burgers too. Everyone, even yeah. the pretty girls are like kind of dumpy looking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like big noses. And, yeah, yeah, which I feel is more realistic, honestly. Yeah, it's true. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so they they kind of set up, or at least remind you, like that that is what we're focusing on, Peggy, right. in this episode is that she mm-hmm. is a bit more mannish, she is not as feminine as some of the other females in the show, mm-hmm. but she likes herself. We get that very early on. Um, yes, it's you a, know, yeah, her that, her greatest asset and her greatest yeah. uh, flaw yeah. is her <laughs> self confidence. Yeah, her self confidence. But yeah, so basically, she feels bad after that, and. Um, she talks to Hank, mm-hmm. and one of my moments, favorite moments, is Hank is just like so oblivious. He's like, she's like, "Do you think I'm feminine?" And he was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "Yeah, you're a mother and a wife." I was like, in my head, I Which was is, like, I had to stop and think. Wait, does Hank Hill as a character does he believe that she is feminine because she's a mother and a wife, or is he just buttering her bread and trying to make her feel better? And then I was like, no, he believes it. Like that is his ideal of femininity is being a mother and a wife. Right. It's nothing to do with how she looks or how no. she acts. She is a feminine person because she is a mother and a wife. Yeah, and he he loves her for it. I mean, yeah. in, in stark contrast to his father, who right. his idea of femininity is is uh, dumb Didi, yeah. who is the same age as Hank, and right. she's a, an airhead, and right. he doesn't have real opinions of her own. Right. Whereas Peggy, and is that's why they put heads, is, that, is she has... A lot of opinions. Yeah, I know it's it's actually a very redeeming quality. And Hank is mm-hmm. is his love for Peggy 
because I mean not because like oh she's not that pretty so but he but like but he loves her his, for who she is his reaction is immediate when she's like do you think I'm feminine he's like yeah of course yeah I mean it's well, silly and, and it's funny but it's in a way it's sort of he's saying like well of course you're feminine and and okay. sort of saying of course you're feminine you're a woman right. but he said you're a wife and a mother and uh, right. what else would be right. necessary other which basically is. Uh, you know, uh, you declare yourself as a woman, therefore you, <laughs> you are, are a woman, so you're a feminine. <laughs> and that's kind of it for Hank. For Hank that's, yeah. you know. Things are very black and white, at least usually at the beginning of episodes. With right, <laughs> right. He usually goes into a... And in a way, that's, you know, that he's not necessarily concerned with gender identity, like gender roles, I should say. That's like, true. She it, works, and it, sometimes she stays at home and yeah. takes care of Bobby, and sometimes she's out doing her substitute teaching thing, and yep. later on, uh, real estate, she has yeah. a bit of a career. And yeah, yeah, he never is really uh, against any of like Peggy's. I mean, there are times I'm sure throughout the series where he's uh, a little annoyed by her and her. But yeah, know. he would never. I don't think he would ever say like, "No, this is not something a woman would do." Right. It's nice. Um, he he's, as far as like Peggy's concerned, if she yeah. wanted to do something, then he's like, right. eh, "Do I have to do anything?" Right. <laughs> like he might not want to participate, <laughs> but he would never, certainly never forbid her. Right. Um. So she. Then goes to a she Google's a uh, she wants to buy web some search. new shoes. Uh, she, yeah, she web searches <laughs> like large feet shoe store women Texas right, and one result pops up. I, I wrote that. I think it was called I, the closet. I thought that was very funny. Just one result. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's not realistic. Even no, back then, like there would never just be one result. No, but her her it's just funny to me that like her condition of being a large footed woman was so <laughs> so like unheard of mm-hmm. that there was one result. I feel like yeah. if they did that, did that today, she would probably open up like an incognito window yeah. and make sure like no one saw that she no. searched that. <laughs> She's looking at porn um, or something. So she goes to the shoe store and she meets what she thinks is a woman there, but it's a man dressed up as a woman who right. is a drag queen. Um, named Carolyn. Named Carolyn. Um, he, they become friends. He mm-hmm. thinking that she is also a drag queen. And she thinking that he is a woman, mm-hmm. and that is kind of the whole setup for the for the episode is that she's now friends with this person that she thinks is a woman and that he thinks is a man mm-hmm. dressed up as a woman. And one good moment from that shoe store is she finds this exact same shoes that she wanted from uh, 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 from um, oh, sh- my mind just went blank. Dale's wife. Uh, oh yeah, the boots. Yeah, the same yeah. boots. Um, and then she, the moment was, oh, they're too big. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was her bliss. Yeah. Was she found a shoe store where the shoes she loved, they're, they're, not only had her size, but uh, sizes and then some. Seeing Peggy happy is always, I mean, and I find her to be a very irritating character. There are moments where, and you know, yeah. you, you kind of mentioned it earlier off mic, but that mm-hmm. she can be kind of triggering for people who had an overbearing mother and stuff, yeah. uh, which I didn't, and I don't find her triggering as much as I'm like, I don't know how anybody is friends with her. <laughs> Because she's very, right. but then she becomes very endearing when things like, when when things go well for her, she 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 is very sincerely like happy and appreciative of things that are good in her life. She really she knows how to like recognize goodness in in the world and when good things happen to her, which is very endearing yeah. quality. Like something as simple as finding shoes that are too big for her, and she. I mean, she like teared up yeah. about it, and I was like, "This is nice." She, she probably yeah. drove a long way to go to that store. I don't yeah. think it was yeah. necessarily close by. Yeah, 
She she yeah. has a much harder time. We talked a little bit uh, about how Hank is always willing to admit when he's wrong. Um, he's a, a character who is constantly learning, uh, who is constantly learning about the world and adjusting, you know, still in a very staunch conservative way, but he mm-hmm. adjusts to being um, accepting of those around him and the things around him that he maybe doesn't agree with or thinks he doesn't agree with. Peggy yeah. has a much harder time with that. Typically, she um, thinks she's right and, people, and everybody else is wrong. Right, um, right. And she, yeah, that can definitely be her. That's obviously her biggest flaw is her, yeah. her, like her you overconfidence. Said, her, her overconfidence, for sure, she, that, that she doesn't, she has a hard time seeing what's wrong with her. Right, you know, as, as is evidenced by her frequent um, mistranslations of Spanish. Right. Even though she's a substitute Spanish right. teacher, she doesn't quite have a, gla- a grasp on the, on the language. Um, well, interestingly, in, in, this, the, in this episode, when she finds out that her friend is a drag queen and had thought that she was a drag queen the whole time when it's so glaringly in her face, this flaw of hers, she goes home and hides under the blanket for like two days. It seems, it seems is, like, right. Honestly, the lowest I think she ever gets in I mean, the series. I don't well, it's, know. If it's any interesting other... because it's so in her face. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Somebody mistook you for a man, you know, right, right to your face for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and in that undeniable way, there was no way for her to, convince her mind of anything else of, you know, that she always is doing mental gymnastics with things, you know, you know, Bobby's not this way because he's, you know, he's special. He has a yeah. gift or whatever, he's, you know, she, yeah, she does that yeah. a lot for her life and there was no way for her to do that in this moment. So she right. freaks out and runs away and hides under her blanket. Right. <laughs> you know? um, so I found that to be, well, that's, I mean, that's, it, and it very much makes sense for her character because I think she, even though she is very confident, she's obviously very ashamed of her big feet. Right. Um, she, you know, that's kind of her, uh, that's but almost even, her Achilles heel in a it, way. Even immediately finding a large clothes store, she gained her confidence. Like, that's all it took for her. She's mm-hmm. always right there. She just needs to stay on the right side of it because all it took, she just found a big clothes store and then she was so proud of herself again. She was wearing the right. clothes. Mm-hmm. Modeling them in the mirror, which, by the way, I do the same thing. She was, oh, she like she sexy. was, yeah, she was practicing <laughs> just everyday movements in her clothes in the mirror, and it was a joke. But I was like, oh, I kind of do that. I like put on new <laughs> pants, and I'm like, what would it look like if I stepped real high in these? What would it look like if I had to bend over in these? I should practice all these moves to make sure that these clothes work. <laughs> so, so you like the drag queens in this episode yes. learn a thing from from peggy <laughs> yeah. something that you know maybe not might not be considered the most feminine thing but it's just solid advice yeah it is solid advice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess so we just keep going through the plot of sure <laughs> yeah i mean so uh, then she she gets confronted with uh the the idea that this woman right. carolyn is actually a man named jamie yes um and she tries to explain it to hank and yeah, Hank just cannot moments. And I feel like this might be a way, <laughs> a, a way to just kind of sidestep Hank's what having, Hank's having actual a, reaction, having be? a Hank, having him become a character in the episode well, because they, right they, because they then it would all be about him of like right dealing with deal. what drag culture is. Yeah, which yeah. is he's not equipped for at so all. So instead of doing that. They, he just misunderstands Peggy. He just says, like, hold on, that's not, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly how it goes down. I should have wrote down, but it was man, so funny. He was just man like, that dresses as a woman. He just couldn't, he just didn't, he thought she was babbling nonsense mm-hmm. and goes and calls 
who she, he thinks is Jamie, to try to get Carolyn on the phone. <laughs> well, the other way around. He's like, I have Carolyn's number. Can oh, you, that's you give right. me Jamie's number? <laughs> oh, he is. Yes, I'll talk to him. <laughs> no, he's there. <laughs> yeah, it's all talk. So funny. But it's great because you're right. He, he, they literally, Peggy explains what's going on to Hank, and he mm-hmm. just doesn't understand at all. And they drop it as to not make it a Hank-centric episode. Right. <laughs> Though he is still supportive, and yeah, he, he does is. go and meet Jamie at a juice bar to yeah. talk about what's the problem. I want to help Peggy. Right, Even right. though I don't exactly know what's going yeah. on. And he does help, well... In a way. He, he just kind of puts the pieces <laughs> together in a way. I liked uh, when, he's, when he goes to meet Jamie, he, he's at the smoothie place, and he goes, make it normal. And and I was orange like, juice? He was like the you want most... to add in nutrients? Make it normal. I want it normal. I was like, that's the hankiest thing. Yeah. Make it normal. I have it's all like, the nutrients I need. I'm going to have a steak later. Yeah. <laughs> that show does do that where it, it constantly reaffirms like character, mm-hmm. you know, constantly is just like, in case you forgot, here's Hank ordering a smoothie. <laughs> Make it normal. Yeah. In, in a way that's kind of like, that's every episode is Hank. Like he's in a smoothie bar and right. he's not, he will not adjust to it. <laughs> right. He'll do everything he can to keep it in a world that he <laughs> that knows. That he understands, yeah. They also did that with, um, there was one throwaway joke that I laughed, you laughed really hard at it too, that Bill said um, when they're standing along the fence, it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. He just says, what's it mean when a lady instead of a purse has a tattered up plastic bag? And nobody answers him. It's just the intro to when the car pulls up and then Jamie gets out and they completely change the subject. But I was like, oh, that's just a, that's like a perfect thing for Bill to say in this moment. Mm -hmm. It was so funny though. Yeah. And I I mean, yeah, that was every, every line of Bill, I think was just classic. But cause like when he left, when Jamie left, he's like, I like nice people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do like nice people. Um, but yeah, so, uh, another character we haven't talked about yet is uh, Jamie's mother. Oh yeah, the, the kind of like uh, uh, you know overly uh, like almost too supportive. Yeah, of yeah. of uh, she her, was, her she son. Was, she couldn't talk about anything else, which it's just something that the show does. You know, actually all the time, but it it does make fun of both sides in that way. Mm-hmm. But and they they tackle it from angles that you wouldn't see coming. Like even when that character first sort of showed up. And she was just being really supportive. I was like, what a great mom. Mm-hmm. Look at him, her just supporting her, her drag queen son. And, you know, from the get go, he's she's like, you know, don't let anybody tell you what to do or who you are. Your wig looks great. All this stuff, just incredibly supportive. But by the end of the episode, he's like <laughs> complaining to her and she's still doing that. And he says, uh, can you stop supporting me so hard and just <laughs> listen to me? And I was like, yeah. yeah, that is a real thing. Like, she is not listening to you because all she keeps saying is be who you want. Like, these weird cliche sort of, mm-hmm. you know, pro, uh, you know, whatever rights sayings. Yeah. Like, just very, like, supportive sayings. And I was like, oh, but she's not listening to his problem <laughs> at yeah. all. Yeah, how supportive are you when you're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. listening to the real world problems? Right. Um, and so the, the episode uh, concludes with... Uh, Carolyn uh, going to the house and kind of dragging Peggy out of the house, out of her stupor. She's still wrapped up in her blanket, telling her to bring the the clothes from that first scene to uh, what turns out to be the the same drag uh, club. All the Queen's Men, I think was the name of it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It should have been Peggy's first tip. Yeah, right. Um, And then finding out that all these drag queens, all these 
men that want to be women, as, yeah. as uh, Carolyn puts it, love Peggy because she is a strong woman, much like uh, other drag show stables like Cher or, right. oh, you know, uh, right. Diana Ross or whoever. Right. Um, yeah, they had a lot of respect for her in the end. They, and she taught them how to eat without smearing their lipstick. Right. All those little tidbits yeah. that she shared with Jamie. Which is very Peggy-centric, uh, too. Like, Peggy mm-hmm. does have weird solutions for everything. She's very detailed in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, the, the, the show, this episode did sort of end abruptly, I would say. Um, yeah, I guess that, I mean, that's pretty much, I suppose her, that was her arc of the show. Like she realized that her realization that her being herself, which is something that she's already pretty good at. Right. Is admirable. As, admirable, not admirable, but also very feminine. Yeah. And, and not yeah. not in a traditional femininity, but just the fact that she is a woman, uh, a, a working woman who has these tips of like how to eat without right. sparing your makeup, which is a very real world skill right. and not something that someone who is maybe like a beauty pageant would necessarily need to know right. how to do. Right. Um, yeah, that, and that's that's the admirable thing yeah, about and, her. And and it it makes sense for these uh, drag queens to look up to her in that way. And I think she very quickly, I mean, that's again, Peggy always just right on the cusp of being pro Peggy. But mm-hmm. if you push her over the edge, it's very hard for her because she's always pro Peggy. So, mm-hmm. um, but just that little moment, you know, all she needed was somebody to, you know, this group of, you know, men who, who want to dress like women telling her like, no, you're a feminine icon. Mm-hmm. And she was right back on. I mean, right. she's right back into being pro Peggy, which I mean, that's, you know, just stroking her ego is that's the right. Way. right. <laughs> you know, a group um, of people telling her that she's the best. She's the greatest. Of course that would right. Her right, right back on top. A couple of stray notes here. Um, there was, so in the B story when, uh, the, from the beginning when, when Bobby and, and, um, What's his friend's name? Uh, Joseph. Bobby and Joseph are looking at uh, looking at that book. I was like, this is so weirdly a staple in, in comedy TV a lot, which I assume comes from comedy writers, but young men, boys usually, mm-hmm. trying to be funny. I was like, that's in like every yeah. fucking show. But I was like, oh, um, because I was like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of young men are like that. But I was like, probably every comedy TV show writer was like that. Of course. Because they're, you know, you don't yeah. become a comedy TV show writer because Absolutely. you don't try to make people laugh. <laughs> like, but it, it's funny. Like, I mean, I guess it probably is relatable for a lot of kids. But I, I think about it sometimes. Like, um, like the kids in Freaks and Geeks were like obsessed with like old stand up and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. was like that too. But I was like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of kids that were, but I, I mean, I like sports now. I watch sports, but I didn't watch sports when I was a kid at fucking all. I had no interest yeah. in sports. I liked comedy. I liked cartoons. You know, I liked Weird Al. You know, yeah. I'm saying even though I, I still don't watch sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been. I feel like all but my friends whole... now will do like fantasy football, and that's the gateway drug to sports. It kind of so, is. Also, I mean, sports is just another. It's just another type of fandom. It's right. really easy to get into sports, but here's the thing I'll say as much as I love sports, you, you like, if you are a person who loves sports that don't realize that sports are bullshits or bullshit, you're, yeah. you're like, you're kind of dumb because like it is, it's theater. It's a, it's oh, a sure. show, you know, it's, it's all a fan. It's just fandom. But I feel that way about all fandom. Like if you like star Wars so much that you can't realize like, 
I like a made up thing that yeah. is fun to like, then you're being stupid, you know, but that sports are the same way. Like it is a made up thing that is fun to like. You right. Know? And we're getting to a point where, where fandoms will, um, almost be ruined by the fans. Like Rick yeah. and Morty, I mean, it's, for instance, it's, with the, like the pickle Rick and the Szechuan stuff. Dude, that was, that was an embarrassing it was. to see people like freak out about I know. shitty sauce packets. Yeah. In a show that I mean that that's the scary thing with fandom is that like I love love Rick and Morty I think it's brilliant mm-hmm. when I see the way other fans look at it I think it's the show's kind of stupid I go back and I go no it's not that good like it's not that good yeah. but nothing is that good well, I mean it's not worth being a dick to someone right. at a restaurant at, at a fast food place who's well, just trying to do their job it's also not something that's just like I mean like. We just did an episode about Star Wars, but it, it's sort of a similar. There's like a level of Star Wars fandom that I'm like, you guys need to check what you are watching because Star Wars isn't that fucking good. It's yeah. a, it's fun and it's a, a good. It's like a lot of fun and it's fun to be a fan of. But the way some Star Wars fans talk about it, I'm like, you would think that this is the fucking like greatest piece of art ever made. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you get into people who are into the prequels. Yeah, <laughs> just like ah. Oh. Listen, yeah. I and I have an appreciation for prequels in their own yeah. right, and but but here's the thing: they're not good. Here's the thing: <laughs> even like I can't think of what the best piece of like film or art in general is. I I don't know what that would be, but like oh, think Citizen about Kane yeah, think about like the that. best things like. Citizen um, Kane fandom is rough. Yeah, if, is. but if Citizen Kane had a fandom <laughs> that Star Rose Wars had, <laughs> if there was fans out there like that, I would feel the same way about Citizen Kane. I'd be like, guys, it's not that fucking like nothing is that fucking good. Is. Everything has its flaws. It was all just made by some group of guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like nothing. I and I like fandom. I really yeah. do. I love being a part of fandom. It's part of why I like things, but you have to know when to like check yourself. Back to Citizen Kane. Yeah. It has one of the biggest plot holes in film history. What's that? In the first scene, when uh, he says Rosebud, no one's there to hear it. The nurse walks in after he says Rosebud and really? drops the... Yeah. He, dro- he says Rosebud, he drops the, the snow globe, and then the nurse walks in, but then the whole plot of the movie the whole premise is that it's all these uh reporters saying like he said rosebud right before he died <laughs> yeah. we gotta figure out what that means who the fuck knew that that's and, interesting yeah and the, who was he the, saying rosebud to <laughs> just exactly well, just something you say when Couldn't you die just i guess be so. thinking about his sled spoiler guess, alert i guess so it was the sled it was the sled the whole time what if someone's pissed off with <laughs> god damn it <laughs> just ruined since i was gonna get around to it <laughs> it was this close i fucking just bought it <laughs> about to I push play <laughs> I was going to watch it, and then I was like, you know what? Let me listen to this podcast first, and then I'll watch it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I have no remorse. <laughs> I'm glad I spoiled Citizen Kane. Anyway, King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> how do we get, I don't even remember how we got off on hey that man, tangent. Hey, man, this is what uh, you know, podcasting is all about. Is Not to get off on a tangent. Um, you know how we got um, off on that tangent? What was it? It was Bobby and Joseph Bobby reading... Joseph. Learning, like being obsessed with comedy. Bobby is that. Right. Oh, he, yeah, that's yeah. his. That's his defining, or one of his defining traits is that he wants to be a comedian, a comedian entertainer. Mm-hmm. Peggy actually has that too, which is interesting. Peggy is a very entertainment sort of. She cent- she, she likes to be the center of attention. Right. She wouldn't say it as in such of like wanting to be an entertainer, but she right. does like to be the center of attention. And well, and as soon as somebody does. shows her any attention, she thrives. You know, right. she becomes very addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You know, tell her that you want her to write a book and she will 
Oh, she'll do it. Yeah, she'll do it. And which is also, you know, one of the things I actually like about Peggy as a character is that if she puts her mind to it, she's going to do it. It may suck, but yeah. she'll do it. She'll she'll put her mind to it, put her nose to the grindstone and, and knock something out, even though it's probably terrible. Right. Hey, did you watch The Office? Are you a fan yeah, of The American I watched, Office? I didn't watch all of it. Like, I didn't really watch... Post-Michael Post Scott. Yeah, I, it got too awkward because i felt bad for ed helms character when he was the boss he was the worst actually i think thing about the post and i felt yeah. bad because i liked well, ed helms ed helms's character but they yeah they well, he it. wasn't so he didn't seem to deserve it as much as michael scott do, did like well he didn't like yeah. he, he was trying like I, it didn't work as well like i feel like steve carell I, had, I think it didn't work very well because he like when they made him the boss they they changed his character completely in a weird way and i was like oh this is weird because we've been watching him for like four seasons now Mm -hmm. and they just they basically gave him the job but then rewrote the character to fit what they wanted the job to be it felt like they gave ed helms a promotion not the character yeah promotion i agree yeah it was it was a little weird um I liked Ed Helms on the show, but I, yeah. I think he actually... He was really good, good before he was the... He I was, thought the good was really in good in the very last season, too. Um, but, yeah. I did see a couple episodes in, like, the last season when they started getting They're more really, meta. I think there was some... Well, I kind of found that annoying. I like meta. I'm a sucker for meta stuff, though. I am, too, usually, but I found... Here's what I found annoying was... Okay, and I think The Office in general had a problem where um, they started writing their characters kind of in circles and not really knowing what to do with uh, them. Well, but, like Pam and Jim, they should have stopped focusing on them as soon as they I mean, got married. My, my biggest problem with the meta era was that they made like Pam, they like wrote her to be like really, you know, she started kind of seeing that boom, Mike guy. Uh, I, was, I was, I saw like they introduced him, but I didn't really watch yeah, that. They started, oh, is that like, what they started she, doing? Well, like her a, and Jim kind of get on the outs and hit her and him start talking. Oh, and he's dumb. like really romantic with her. They yeah. don't, I don't think they necessarily start like an affair or anything, but like she has a moment where she, it, it wasn't just dumb because it didn't really make sense for her character, but also just from an audience standpoint, nobody fucking wanted that. No. Nobody wanted that. Though realistic, may, maybe it is makes sense for her character because that's kind of what she did with Jim. Yeah, was, but here's the thing is they didn't make it work with Jim and Pam. Right, they very right. suddenly made her upset with Jim. Like, uh, uh, it wasn't like a, no. Yeah. yeah. So basically the okay. documentary comes out, they do that. And then the last season is post documentary. Uh, okay. And so everybody on like the documentary circuit likes Jim and doesn't like Pam and she gets all self-conscious about it. That's weird because like they already know what fan reactions to characters are. They should I have mean, taken it, that. It just the whole thing felt weird, I think, and and forced. Um, but I felt that way a lot about the later seasons of The Office. Um, but there this? are good things about the later seasons too. I think um, James Spader on the later seasons. Is oh, fucking James Spader so was good. great, so good. His, and people forget about it. He's I, so I totally goddamn forgot. funny. His oh man, his uncomfortable confidence. It's yeah. just an amazing <laughs> yeah. character choice. He's just, he's just like really, really confident, really smart, but also like a sex addict and kind of like insane. Oh, he yeah. has no real like relations with people that make any sense, but he's like super smart. And I mean, he was, he was so not Michael Scott. And I think that's what worked mm-hmm. for it too, but like equally, well, maybe not equally, but still really funny and like really a well fleshed out character. But by being yeah. like, the problem was, where the replacing Michael Scott was like, well, what if you get somebody that's like Michael's? Do you get somebody that's also like that? Or do you, do you yeah. not, do you get somebody very different? But I thought the rabbit California character was like, 
so different and yet still so awkward and funny. Yeah, I, that whole string of guest bosses that they had, I thought was really like because I think Will Ferrell was one. Will Ferrell's one. Idris uh, Elba. Uh, Kathy it. Bates, I think, was one for a little bit. Kathy Bates was a or boss who she was wasn't like boss's like, boss or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was James Spader's boss. And then uh, Idris Elba was great in it I can't too. Remember what his, his, his whole his thing was, was, I mean, he was just a very serious, real. He was like a real person. Oh, and he like wasn't <laughs> taken to like the. the he just did not understand around. any of what was happening. In that's, there, yeah, that's, that's was amazing. Really, it was really funny, but it, it kind of ran its course too. The the real funny thing with him was that he didn't like Jim, <laughs> like the most likable guy in the world. He just thought was a terrible person, a screw up. So which even doesn't even make sense because he Jim is supposed to be like one of the best salesman yeah. too so it didn't even make well sense he saw him. like immediately saw him like pranking dwight a couple of times uh, and of was course. just like oh this guy you know he thinks he's so funny and he's just <laughs> he's just distracting everybody in the office but which really jim probably would be super annoying in like, right? the real office i think that about um the brit do you did you watch the british office a, a bit of it i didn't watch yeah. all of it which i don't think there's that many episodes <laughs> no it's two seasons but uh um, Michael, uh, not Michael, uh, David Brent. M- no, Martin, oh, Martin, oh, oh, Martin, Freeman. Not Martin, Short, Martin Freeman's character mm-hmm. who plays like the gem character. Really called Tim instead of Tim, Tim or yeah. something. And Don, honestly, both those characters are almost uh, to me, almost as unlikable as, <laughs> as Michael Scott. David That's Brent kinda... is really unlikable though. He's like next level un- unlikable. But everybody in the British office is a little unlikable. <laughs> I think that's the main difference between British te- television and American yeah, television. Yeah, they don't, they don't need to win you over with characters, especially no. because their shows go like two seasons and well, then they're gone. And that's, that's like, can you imagine them... eight seasons of unlikable characters? You'd be fucking be so much. over it. Yeah. Well, but. yeah, because at the time, it, yeah, American TV would have like 22, 26 episodes. That was very common yeah. to have a show that yeah. have that much. Yeah, there's more episodes in like season three of the American office as there are in of the British office. Right. Um, but all but. that's to say that <laughs> Daniel, uh, Greg Daniels, who mm-hmm. EP'd okay. King of the Hill, mm-hmm. yeah, was, um, I think, showrunner of uh, The Office. And I do think there are some similarities there between the two. Um, How so? What do you, what do you think of I would of say their... definitely, um, like, the idea of uncomfortable humor. Mm-hmm. of like awkwardness yeah. um, and people dealing with it and, and the heart that he brought to the American office, which was really not in the British office at all. Well, Ricky Gervais always brings in like heart in the last episode of things. Like and Derek. Then, yeah. Derek, the it extras. Derek. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Even the British office, like he is so unlikable. And then in the yeah. very last episode, they're like, He's likable now. I was like, what? When did that happen? This guy yeah. sucks. But yeah, extras is kind of the same way. Extras has a really good though likable moment. If you, if you've never seen that, I need. I don't know. Um, but know. either way, uh, but yeah, I think Greg Daniels brought in a lot of the heart. Mm-hmm. He found a way to make make the boss character. I think likable. I'm sure there are plenty of people with it, but he he brought in a lot of heart to the show, which mm-hmm. I think uh, is also in in King of the Hill for sure. For That's sure. one thing you can say about King of the Hill is it does have. Heart. A lot of heart, yeah. And it's, it has a sincerity that I think is... Well, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons it's such a good show is that the right. the Hank Hill character, I mean, all the characters, but the Hank Hill character is very sincere. He feels yeah. like a real person, and it's, you know? It's often played for laughs. I feel like at the time it was played for even more laughs because I think at the time there was a lot of um, cynicism 
uh, especially uh, among like Gen Xers. I think that was more of a defining feature of that generation of just like, oh, whatever. It's, right, right. Uh, it doesn't matter anyway. And so to have a character like Hank who like takes everything he does very seriously right. and sincerely, that was the butt of the joke. Whereas right. watching it now, I, I feel like there might be is more of a resurgence of very sincere, uh, com- even comedic characters, but taking what they're doing very seriously and, and injecting heart into what would be a funny situation. Yeah. Well, Hank Hill always, always felt like the best version of a dad too. like, you know, right. he is staunchly conservative and has his point of view and has a hard time, you know, diverting from that point of view. Yeah. But he's also very willing to learn and he's very loving. He takes in a lot of the people that he considers to be idiots or whatever. He takes a lot of them I mean, in and shows them at, love. If you look at the people around him, his, his best friends, you yeah. have Dale, Bill and Boomhauer. Yeah. you know, Dale is, he would not survive on his own if, if left to his own devices, if it's only because of his wife supporting him that right. he's able to survive. <laughs> Bill is, you know, I mean, clinically depressed. Right. He's got a, <laughs> he's a lot of problems. Checklist of problems. Yeah. yeah. And, and Boomhauer, they don't really go into like, I guess he would consider maybe like a love he's sex a addict or man, something. Yeah. Um, and a te- technically a Texas Ranger, they revealed in the last episode, <laughs> which makes zero sense. Cause there's so many situations where, him being a Texas Ranger would have gotten him out of that situation. <laughs> or maybe That's he's great. too modest. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't or maybe show no one. Off. No one understood him when he. Yeah. Rangers. Yes, I understand. My favorite football team too. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, no, that's baseball. baseball. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I don't. It's all good. I was gonna let us slide. God damn it! <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean. It, it is it is the reason why I think that show is was well, probably even successful at the time. But again, I, I don't know. I don't think I really watched it when it was like new episodes ever. So, but for me now, why it it stands out and why I I mean, God, I guess I really only started watching that show maybe like six seven years ago. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it it really was always a standout for me because of like it 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 has some sincerity to it, and some heart to it that is that is. Um, like even uh, we were talking about Bob's Burgers, one of my favorite shows. Bob's Burgers doesn't have that sort of level of heart. It's it's very friendly, and right. I think the family in Bob's Burgers, you kind of watch them, and you get a little bit of a modern sort of like I want to be like that family feel, kind of like old school right. sitcoms like Brady Bunch or something, where you're like, oh, it's nice. I wish my family was more like that. But it's a family where, and I feel like this is probably a lot of sitcom families, but like if I were in that family, it'd probably be awful. Or like if I had to be around those characters, <laughs> yeah. like those kids would be so annoying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or but, like, but meanwhile, King of the Hill does feel very, um, it feels very um, like I, it's, there's not a lot of, at least for me, relatability. I don't look at them right. and go like, oh, I understand that world. I didn't grow up in a very Southern family. Obviously, right. my parents are immigrants. and Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you necessarily see a lot of yourself in those No, in those not characters. at all. So it's more of just like, I feel nice because it's nice to watch the character of Hank and right. Peggy and Bobby in their, in their moments and a lot of the side characters too. But it's nice to see that character of Hank right. being sincerely himself while still trying to be the best version of himself and and seeing it from a conservative sort of standpoint, which you don't really see on TV very often. Like, yeah. And I, it's probably more important now than ever really to kind of show this conservative for, you know, for lack of a better word, like traditional family of a nuclear family. Right. Um, 
just be themselves and, and have these, uh, you know, situation and, and seeing their values stripped away from the politics, I think, um, like yeah. conservative, like conservative in the sense of like, um, just, just, lifestyle. just the values, yeah. like, you know, uh, they go to church and right. they, uh, right. don't, I don't know what else would be, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it elicits, I suppose, a, a sense of empathy yeah. uh, where if you don't necessarily share the same political views, you can still see that, oh, well, they're just right. a family that loves each other. And and, and that are, are willing to learn and adjust and, and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not at all hateful people, although they are mm-hmm. they're very they have a point of view, you know. Right. Um, and there's a whole I mean, there's that whole episode where when Khan actually moves in and, you know, I. Peggy's worried that they'll label rank a uh, label Hank a racist for not liking Khan. He's like, well, can I just not like a man because he's a jerk? <laughs> yeah, uh, which Khan is a, yeah, a, a, jerk. a jerk. He's yeah. very he's also Asian, narcissistic, and yeah, though played by a white guy, which oh, is nice. a tad it's problematic a, in these. It's in a poo, a poo situation. <laughs> yeah, because oh, it's so over the top. <laughs> it is so over the top. Um, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, and. and uh, should we talk about the problematic nature of, of I, I would, King of the Hill? Because there are some things that, you know, it's not ideal, but I feel like like minorities in general aren't really represented, aren't, aren't shown in a very positive light in, in the show. No, but often. Hank, I think the idea is that, well, you're right. Though John, I mean, Red, that, John Redcorn, other than the fact that I guess he's an adulterer, yeah. tends to be very... He's almost like a Native American but, Hank. Like He's very serious. What, what's the events of, of about... Khan and his family. I mean, the um, voice, well, I mean, the voice <laughs> is, is one of offensive. them. And uh, I guess the fact... They're not really... Like, they're kind of jerks in the show, both of them, Khan and Khan and, and men are... And Connie, Connie's fine. Yeah. She's basically just yeah. a normal American uh, but child. I think, but I think what makes it... I mean, granted, you've watched a lot more than me. And right. I, I have that all the time with shows that I used to like that I, I watch now that I'm like, oh, this is a little problematic. But I think what makes it... Yeah makes it work is that we're, we're kind of experiencing it from the Hills family point of view. And, and it normally does lean towards a very accepting and, and loving point of view. I mean, they hate a lot of people, but it's never because of their race or because of their, it's just like he he said, they're jerks or whatever. Though it is a, I believe East Texas town and there probably should be more Hispanics in their world. Um, oh, yeah, and there aren't really. Though, are there's there? Enrique, who works with Hank at the propane, uh, at Strickland Pro- Propane. Um, and they've there's been a few, I think, I want to say it's Danny Trejo that does oh, Enrique. Really? Um, and also does Octavia. <laughs> uh, but but he's, Enrique is like a very, he, he's not a bad character. He's a little annoying in a way to Hank, just because I think he kind of embodies that uh, more what would you call like openness and like he's, he's open to share his feelings and he, he's welcomes Hank into his house and yeah. he, he really wants, he wants Hank to be his friend. Right. Um, more so than anything culturally necessarily, unless you consider that like cultural values, whereas someone who's from a Hispanic culture might be more willing to, um, be open about their emotions or might be more willing to, uh, uh, have a uh, people at their house and ha- have that kind of culture. Whereas Hank is more like, Oh, that's, that's all right. I just, just <laughs> do my own thing at my own house, and yeah, we'll maybe have a beer sometime. And yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. And then, you know, something like this, where I think is a very, I think can be a good representation of like drag queens and sure. um, maybe even gay culture that they, they don't really necessarily touch on that outside of the you know, lens of, of drag culture. Right. They don't show these characters ever again. And you'd think yeah. a character like Peggy, who found, she found these people who. Yeah, it's more, normally what they're dealing with more is just like, like 90s alternative teen culture, I right. guess. Like, they're not really yeah. dealing with that level of, I guess, liberalism to call it something. You know yeah. what I mean? Other it's, than like, you know, when, when there's, there's not a, a lot of. Like, Bobby's biology teacher turned out to be, like, an environmentalist, and so yeah. you know, they were trying to get the, drain the quarry, or they didn't, the environmentalist, environmentalist didn't want to drain the quarry because of itchy algae, and so that was kind of a caricature <laughs> of, like, yeah. you know, liberals who would just, just save a thing just because, yeah. and even if there's no real reason to to save it. Um, you but, know, uh we talked a lot about The Office. Have you watched uh, Silicon Valley? That's Mike Judge's current Yes. Show. Yes. I've watched most of that. I think I actually just came in on like the second season. I don't, I need to rewatch like the first season, mm. but I'm pretty much current with it, though I tend to forget between seasons what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, the same things happen every season. Right. I thing. like the show, but it's, it's very, it resets every season finale. It's like, yeah. oh, and they lose everything and then they have to start over from scratch. I'm like, okay. That's fine. Uh, it's a funny show, so right, right. <laughs> you can keep resetting the formula. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, he also has a few movies. That oh, have uh, not been very good. <laughs> Idiocracy, well, I love. Wait, uh, well, Office Space. Oh yeah, Office great. Space. Idiocracy. Great. What yeah. other movies? Uh, maybe just Extract. I feel like there's another. Oh, I never saw Extract. It was supposedly it. a clunker. It yeah, I didn't watch it either. But I think he has another. Well, I guess it, maybe I'm thinking of Idiocracy. Idiocracy was not well received at all. Oh no, kind of became a I, cult classic with with people our age. I like Idiocracy, but I disagree that it would actually happen. Yeah, I because, totally disagree too. Actually, it was one of those infuriating things that you kind of talked about fandom when you hear like, "Yeah, well, Idiocracy we're gonna be Idiocracy right next year." I'm like, "No, it's we're not. not. We quit just, being an extremist." It's like, simply not how things. Work. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not. This is not the first time in human history where the educated and well-to-do have less children than the right. uneducated right. and poorer. Like that's, yeah. well, that's pretty much every culture. Yeah. But it is, I find it to be pretty good satire. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, that's the idea of, I think good satire is maybe it's a little over the top just right. to highlight Absolutely. the things that are maybe what you're highlighting. I, it's it, that movie is also a little troubling to watch though. Modernly they say, uh, one, specific f word oh quite right, a bit. <laughs> like right. It's just common vernacular in the future which is because, okay because yeah. of his, it's satire it's but at the same time like if that movie was made today they probably would leave that out <laughs> yeah probably not. i don't know yeah i wonder how that movie would because that's i mean it's not even that old it's like what 10 years old maybe probably longer than that 2000 well, mid 2000s i guess five, yeah i mean so. about 10 ish years yeah. but yeah but yeah, things change very quickly. And matter of fact, King of the Hill, we, you know, I thought about that while we were watching even this episode because, you know, they weren't really, they were dancing around the, the trans issues, you know, right. with, which with, may have not even been something that they were, it, like our writers it, were thinking about at the time. Probably not. I mean, it certainly it, was around, they, but it, it was a punchline more than anything. It a little bit more like the community she was dealing with seemed a little bit more like like the trans community than it did the drag queen community. I mean, we, we right. almost exclusively we don't see saw the show. those women in, 
uh, dressed as women. Right. Um, we didn't. Yeah. I mean, they made it about drag queens. Don't get me wrong. I was right. like, those are trans people, not drag queens. They were drag queens in the show. But yeah. they, you know. But the only thing that really the only thing that made them drag queens was that I think um, that Carolyn and Peggy were going to do a show together at yeah. this. Well, at this you club also you also have seen Jamie quite a bit. If you were a trans person that was right. outed in that way, you wouldn't be going around as Jamie. No, likely not, and likely that that Carolyn wouldn't be wearing a wig. It'd be wearing right. probably have grower hair right, out right, and right. maybe have hormone replacement, right. and that would be like a kind of a different i mean it really would be a different episode I it, think. it probably would be but they seem to at least slightly combine the two ideas in, in right. a bit of a way i mean not that and it would have been not, more not, problematic. i don't think it was a problematic thing at all honestly but i do well, it would have been more so i think if if carolyn was trans because then you get in the whole the issue drag of like, versus trans thing well i think you get the whole issue of like peggy having a, a bit of an existential crisis of her being not not feminine enough yeah, and then saying that, like, people. well, this person's not actually a man, and then right. but then getting into the That's gray area, like, well, trans people, yeah, trans women are women. And but if that show was releasing new episodes now, they, you know, maybe that would be something they would do. It's pro- yeah, and certainly the plot would have been different. But I think, a- as you said, yeah, but as you said, like back then, I mean, it's a short period of time, but back then that wasn't really something that I'm sure the writers were thinking about. You know, that certainly wasn't, wasn't at the forefront of uh, of what our collective consciousness as it is now. Yeah. Yeah, which um, is you know a good thing. Yeah, I, uh, ultimately, yeah, I, mean, I think that's, I, I, it's good that we're thinking about these kind of. I things. always lean towards that, by the way, which is is uh, kind of a bigger conversation. But there there are a lot of times where where things you know maybe look bleak or whatever, and then I always just think like, I mean, literally ten years ago, nobody gave a shit about the trans community. Nobody it was, was a punch talking line. about it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't yeah. anything. And now it is. And even going and back, or not even going back, but even watching like Dave Chappelle's special recently, like that yeah. felt a little uncomfortable and dated. Yeah. And, and you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't been off the air. It, it's about 10, 15 years since yeah. he's been off the air and doing stand up. And it felt a little like, oh, this is maybe he's a he's, little out of touch He was now. not really on the pulse of things for no. sure. I mean, and uh, he, he qualified it a lot. And I, I think, you know, his qualifications were important, but I don't think his fans really listened to the qualifications. No, I mean, it, it seemed to me more so that like you, you might be able to do that humor in a on a better side of it. He seemed to be on the wrong side of some things. I think he's also me. very bitter. Right? Yeah, he seems angry and bitter, and yeah. I, I mean, well, well uh, de- you know, deservedly so. Not to saying he shouldn't be bitter. But I mean, maybe, but you know, y- you gotta search for. Right. I mean that this is. The thing is, I'm I'm all for comedy in whatever way you want to do it, but you know, yeah. be prepared for people to have an opinion about, and especially if you're going to be this political and have this many opinions on things. And you know, to me, I, I look at it and I go, you need to find some some love in your heart for for something because right now you just you just are kind of coming off as a bitter jerk i guess and, and the Ooh, similar, hot take on the podcast oh, i'm calling shit. out dave chappelle well get ready <laughs> I, I find it very annoying when older comedians and jerry seinfeld's done this i think even louis ck's done not, not quite as much but when they say that audiences don't know what's funny anymore yeah and i in my opinion maybe you don't know what's funny anymore right it, it like, seems ridiculous you? that you would d- dictate what we should think is funny we're the yeah. audience right i mean yeah you have uh, sure you had a very you were very funny 10 20 years ago yeah but it's people change there's a change sensibilities change and that's always happened and And by the way that's a fucking okay like quit acting like that's not okay that is okay it's okay that we are becoming 
more and more sensitive to issues and aware of issues. Mm-hmm. Like that's that was kind of my point with Dave Chappelle. Like you can still oh, talk yeah. about these things. You can, you can talk about these Jenner. things. But if you are on the wrong side of it, people are not going to be on board with you. Especially and there is a right and a wrong side, by the way. There is. Yeah, you know, I think at so. this point, there is. And and you know, maybe you'll have a few people who agree with you, but you guys are all kind of on the wrong side of things. And if you're going to be on the wrong side of things, prepare for people to kind of shake their heads at you. Right. You know, if you want to do that comedy and be on the right side of things, that, that might be a little bit easier. If you want to do it and be on the wrong side of things, that's fine too. I'm not saying it's not fine. Well, I'm just be, saying. Yeah, but be prepared to, for be prepared people to for people either to not, not laugh. Enjoy it, you know, or like lose fans. Like, yeah, that's fine if you want, but no, don't say that they're wrong for right. not. It's just not agreeing that, with you, especially when you're that on that much of a political standpoint. Like mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle's, well, one of his newer specials was very much him just like spouting his beliefs at an audience. You know, right? Uh, if you're gonna do that, like, be ready for people not to like it if they don't agree with you. Right. You know, so it's it's. Like Michael Che had a stand-up special, which a, a few of his thing, a few of his points of view, I was like, oh, he had a couple like what I would consider maybe a little bit misogynistic jokes, right? But right. he was very loose with them. He wasn't like, this is the way the world is. He was like, I don't think my daughter should have this, or I think my daughter should have to do this, you know. But that was his point. Of, he made it very clear that that was his point of view. He didn't believe that that was the way the world should work, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was very forgiving of it. It also wasn't the main point of his stand-up. You know what I mean? Um, but if your main fucking focus point are these things that, you know, maybe people don't agree with, like the people who accuse Louis C.K. should be stronger and, you know, not, you know, I just found that yeah. I found that joke to be very uh, just ignorant, I guess, yeah. even more than offensive. It was just like, oh, that sounds stupid. You kind of sound stupid because, you well, know, like I'm, you weren't there. You have no fucking point of view. I get that it's a joke, but, you know. Another pet peeve of mine, and what might be detrimental to to comedy, is when comedians use a false premise for their jokes. Yeah, when they'll say something, they'll like, "You ever heard about this thing?" And it's like, "Oh, actually," and I'm saying in my head, "Like, oh, that's actually not a thing. That's not really how yeah. things go." <laughs> yeah. And then they go on with the with right. the joke. Right. It's like, ah, oh, you know, you can Google things, right? Like, not that you, not that stand up should be educational, but. But if you're gonna be but on like, that point of, are you gonna, if you're gonna do that kind of stand up, then maybe right. it should be. Yeah, you know, maybe you should be pretty aware of what you're talking about. But like, if a stand was like, you know, how the sky is green, yeah. and then go and do like a, a, yeah. a ten minute set about how the sky is green, I'm like, I, it's because the sky's yeah. not green. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good um, that's a good way to look at it too, because yeah. it, it does feel a little like you're just wrong, but you're going with it. Like right. you're right. Well, you're setting up this like understanding between you and the audience, but and the if, audience and doesn't agree. Board, then yeah. why would they go along with you yeah. with this? Um, Paul F. Tompkins uh, has a really good video, uh, not video. It's like an interview. I think he had that was cut into like a short video about uh, political, political correctness in comedy. And his opinion, which I, after watching it, I think I agree with <laughs> is that um, audiences. I don't, I think there's very few topics that an audience would say, you can't talk about that at all. Right. There are, but it's all in the way you bring it up and what you For sure. talk like, like rape or about yeah. um, 9-11 or something sure. or something that you would think was like, you can't talk about that. I can't, can't say anything bad about it. Yeah. But if you're framing it in such a way to where you're not, and I think this is an important distinction that he brings up. You're not punching down. Right. If you're punching up, yeah, and I think you know comedy and especially satire. I in think its purest uh, and best form is you're punching up 
and pointing out the, the, the flaws and the powers that be and the, the oppressors and not kicking the oppressed when they're already down. I, I feel like he can be difficult to watch for sure, but one of the best guys at that is uh, Bill Burr. Like he, yeah, he can be very he, hard to watch because he makes really, really difficult to hear statements. But he, he um, qualifies it very well, I he think. He qualifies them well, and, and they I do feel like they are typically punch-ups. Like they're not for the most part. They're yeah. not like shut up. You're a woman. Go do your job. They're just like, you know, women are this and men are that. But they're mm-hmm. always they're always done out of a out of a sense of like, this is an observation. It's not the way the world is. It's right. not. It's not the way the world should this be. This was my specific experience. It may yes. not be your yeah. experience, but this was what it's, happened. It's to me. definitely like I it was just. But it's definitely never. This is the way the world should be, and that's right. the problem I think with a lot of stand-up comedy. When they start tackling difficult subjects, they're always mm-hmm. like, "You guys think it's so fucking stupid to, you know, talk about rape, but you know what? We should talk about rape or whatever." Yeah, you know, and like, well, the, yeah, well, it, well, like well, nobody wants to hear you fucking tell us what we should think. <laughs> if you want to, you know, if you want to yeah. bring up a difficult subject, find a way to do it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't tell us like, get on board or get the fuck out, you know, or this is the truth and everybody else is wrong you know like right and i and you know in the, in the subject of uh you know maybe talking about rape if you're siding with the rapist that's the wrong side <laughs> yeah. or if, but if you're siding with or if you're against against the, yeah. like making the rapist the butt of the joke then right. i think that's a very valid uh, <laughs> way to bring it up well, in the, a the other set. thing is you have to be really fucking funny which is sure i mean sure. i feel like so many i mean it's probably changing now but there was a minute in like the mid maybe late 2000s like early 2010s yeah where there was a lot of offensive comedy coming out for the sake of being offensive you know where right. it was just like I think I'm gonna, and I was like no not every fucking you have to be funny and you have to have a point of view or else shut the fuck up like you can't just do and I think that's a, a joke about how women are stupid and think everybody should laugh at it right you I, know I think that's a misunderstanding of like what what their idols were doing. Like someone like George Carlin yeah. who yes. was offensive, but he was, you know, he was offensive because he was saying the, the, the words you can't say on TV. Right. And that is, I feel like yeah, him, Richard Pryor too. Which yeah. Is Lenny Bruce. Sim- yeah. They're all punching up to the establishment and right. saying, right. we're going to be offensive because it is illegal yeah. to be like, there's a very real well, threat you, that they were, were going to be arrested. speaking a way that like the people were, you know, wanted or right. trying to get to. They didn't know how to get there, but that's what they wanted. Right now, nobody, I mean, not to say that. No one's going to arrest you for saying tits, motherfucker, cocksucker <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on TV yeah. anymore. Yeah, there is a there's a trend right now that is we feel socially responsible for others. Mm-hmm. That is what the state of the world is right now is is a social responsibility mm-hmm. for those around us. And that's a that's a good thing, I think. And I think a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. To do comedy against that because that's the popular point of view is fucking stupid. Right. And you do comedy that is in line with what the people feel and think, you know, not in right. line with what, you know, what just isn't. I think that's the the idea is you do things against what's popular, right. you know, and that's not right. That's that's the opposite of what, like you were saying, Lenny Bruce and stuff was doing. That was the, the secret want of the people was to be able mm-hmm. to say fucking shit and tits or whatever. Yeah, you know, out in public and talk and the way that they talk, you know, behind closed doors. But even, even people like Larry Flint and who, yeah. who fought very hard uh, against obscenity laws and and pr- protecting the First Amendment. He's a real son of a bitch. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I don't <laughs> agree with most of the things, but the fact that he was able to put himself on the line, I think that is admirable in a way. 
or even like a like the National Lampoon. I've been going back and like reading some of the early issues after watching right. that Netflix movie. Um, How was that uh, Netflix movie, by the way? I, I really liked it. It's a David Wayne directed yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. I love David Wayne. It was Wayne. good. Yeah. It was good. Did I, it feel I, like a David Wayne movie? I mean, it's a biopic, of. so it's got to be. It wasn't. So it didn't have as quite as much of like the really absurd. No, yeah. it did have a bit of that. Oh, cool. It's it's kind of loose. I'm gonna. I'm gonna it's check good. It out. You should watch it. Yeah. I actually had a bit of a, a little bit of an existential crisis ever watching it, because um, <laughs> I want to. I want to. I, I want to make stuff. Like that's almost yeah. my ideal job is to be in a writing room like that yeah. and to write these things. And right. Um, it was. But but to say the people the, that were doing National Lampoon that was controversial because they were doing these. Uh, they were writing these. Um, uh, what would probably be considered pretty misogynist right. things right. now, but that wasn't what they're like. They were bucking against um, nostalgia from the uh, like fifties, like the, in the seventies, they were, they were lampooning yeah. the nostalgia from the fifties. And that was right. what they did, which was like animal house, which was set in like, I think early sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made in the mid seventies. Right. Um, but yeah, they're definitely yeah. lampooning that sort of side of, you know, fraternities that maybe is right misogynistic and, and some other things. So. And, 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 you know, I think one of the things, uh, I think it was uh, an essay that Doug Kenny, one of the, the founders yeah. of National mm-hmm. Lampoon, uh, did, it was called First Blowjob. And <laughs> it's about, um, actually read it, and it's basically a woman who goes on a date, but then she ends up going on a date with, like, this, uh, she basically gets, like, raped on the date. Yikes. And then... And then comes home and like tells her father about it, and then her father like punches her for being a slut. Oh my god! But like, it was done in such a way that like it was supposed to be a reaction against those. Like it was supposed to be bad. Like what right. what was happening was supposed to be not, supposed to be showing not, the not, father in a bad light. And it was kind of exposing like, oh, you think that this fifties veneer, everything's right, all happy and right, sunny. Right. This is what we're was showing you what's on. on underneath. That's interesting. And yeah, and something that you you wouldn't like if you did that today, you wouldn't need to do that because that's not a thing anymore. Like, you there's no need to buck against that because we're not in that world where we have to, you know, tear down that like that veneer of like, well, the the woman is never to to do anything that's unseemly or anything like that. Right. Um, Same with like uh, Blazing Saddles. People say Blazing Saddles couldn't be made today. Which I strongly disagree. I think Blazing Saddles holds up very well. I agree, today. actually. I, I've never. I don't. It's, yeah, it's not a problematic movie. In it's my not. It's, I don't. It just uses, you know, certain language and yeah. you know, certain gags. But it, again, I think it Mel Brooks up. couldn't make that movie today. Yeah, I don't think probably. Mel Brooks could make <laughs> it. Oh, certainly, certainly, as a ninety-year-old Jewish man, I don't <laughs> think Mel Brooks could do that movie today. Right. Though uh, Jordan Peele. Would yeah, certainly make certainly a movie, make a movie like, like that, that and, it would and work. kind of mm-hmm. did, but seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like, it's like we were saying it punches up, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it definitely is a movie that is set to, and probably did help right. with the causes that it was sort of making fun of and laughing at, you know, never once in that movie. Are you meant to feel that, uh, Bart, the character, yeah. the black sheriff was, you know, not Incapable deserving. Or, yeah, yeah, not deserving. He's almost like he's basically Bugs Bunny in a way, <laughs> yeah. like the way that he kind of outsmarts the Everybody, people. Yeah, uh, it's, it's great, and he's yeah. he's definitely the hero, and and the the people are. Uh, was Gene Wilder say they're uh, you know pure simple farm <laughs> folk, salt of the earth, you know, idiots. idiots. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Yeah. Well, this is great. I, see, I like where we came from King of the Hill all the way to these uh, important comedy. Yeah, it's exactly what I was hoping for this episode. Good. <laughs> uh, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it on up. All right. Well, I think that's uh, uh, that's it. That's all the time we have for today on That Boy Ain't Right. That Boy Ain't Right. Well, I took 6 a.m. and already The Boy Ain't Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Muhammad T. Joma, for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, to you at home, we'll see you next time when we'll have um, uh, the the creator, Mike Judge, on. Nice. You yeah, I don't know how him. I did. He, yeah. He finally responded well, to you. I, I was wanting, he was wanting to come on for a while, and I just couldn't, I had to bring you in. I told him, we got to ah, bump you. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be right back to wrap up. Let's make a podcast. Don't go podcast. away. It's actually a different this podcast. music podcast. Okay, welcome right. back to Let's Make a Podcast. That was fun. Thanks for coming by, Corey. I'm glad it evolved the way it did. It did. I mean, that that was nice. We got to talk. We all like sort of comedy, insider comedy kind of stuff. And yeah, which is something I love talking about. I do all too. the time. Anyway, I do too. And we comedy theory. We've been friends, way. and we've hung out. We've been hanging out a lot. We play D and D together. We typically hang out in groups, but we typically uh, hang out so in we groups, don't... and we haven't had a chance to have this sort of one on one. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact you call me your best friend at the beginning, yeah. you really haven't hung out one on one. Well, I don't much. have a lot of friends, so it's pretty easy to get up to the best friend. Is that why you're doing this podcast? Is to yes. make, make more friends? <laughs> Just so somebody will sit down. Everybody's like, we normally hang out in groups. I was like, wait no. a minute, this isn't even plugged in. What's <laughs> Uh, listeners, thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you subscribe and write a review uh, if you can. Help us get the word out. Share us on Facebook and Twitter. Corey, do you want to plug your podcast? We probably shouldn't have yeah. there, but no, I think the end of the podcast is the perfect place to plug things. <laughs> um, so I, I also do a podcast. Uh, it's called Terminus Live. Um, you can find it. It's a video, a live stream video podcast where I play video games with Atlanta uh, film, TV, and gaming uh, people in Atlanta. And we talk about uh, what they do in film, TV, or games uh, while they're playing video games. And so you get to see that while while we're talking about it. Yeah, That's every fun. Tuesday at 7. Um, you can watch it on YouTube and Switch. We simul- simulcast. And then we post it uh, the next day to Thea. Thea.network is like a... a, a video service that's oh, in cool. Atlanta now. I only have watched it live. I, did, I actually guess I, I did know this, but it's live stream. It's huh? a live stream, and I actually don't edit it. Yeah, Because <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, because you don't want to do that extra days of work. Yeah. No, it's like, well, it's whatever. If, if like, I think if someone were to say like something really damning or yeah, like something I, like really broken non-disclosure, yeah. we might have to cut it out. But yeah. other than that, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Um, also, I would like to plug, um, I am in, I'm part of a, a very small part of a radio play uh, called The Eye... It's called The Eye, I think. And then the season that I'm on, it's called uh, Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. Cool. And I play announcer number two. <laughs> Not the main announcer. And it's only in like a couple episodes. But I also do the sign-off at the, at the end. Where Very it's like, cool. Uh, recorded in the Hayward Studio. No cross road. Blah, 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 every episode. So where, at least you can hear that. Where can we find that? Um, probably the same place you find these podcasts. I think okay, they have great. it on all of them. But I'm search check it out. The Eye, Big Trouble Little Chinatown. Sometimes I think you can search like MNYPD. Uh, which is Monster New York Police Department. It's actually a really cool premise. The Eye is a, a private dick, but he's a cyclops, and so it's a world oh, where there's like yeah, that's awesome, like myths and monsters, and it's all the seasons all oh. about uh, Chinese uh, 
and Asian uh, myths and monsters, and they incorporate oh, real, real uh, like uh, Chinese uh, monsters and stuff from Chinese uh, horror movies. It's worth a listen to. It's pretty interesting. I'm I'm checking it out right now. Um, I I haven't listened to it, but if if you guys like podcasts and you're listening to this, and you you got to check out some of these like scripted radio play type podcasts. They're 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 fantastic. I mean, they're a lot of fun to listen to, like a scripted drama over over the over you know. Yeah, earphones. I always, <laughs> always loved. Uh, I really, actually, love to do something like thrilling adventure hour. Yeah, I would too. Like that kind of old style, fun. especially play. like on stage like that. It'd mm-hmm. Be a lot of fun. More target. This one's the the eye is a little more serious take, even though it's about kind of a silly like monsters and stuff. But it's played very straight. That's cool, man. Like, yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I'll check that out. Um, I think I'm in episode three and episode like six. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like hey, coming up next. Blah, 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 blah. So don't don't watch it. Don't listen to it because of me. Listen to it because <laughs> listen to it it's because it's cool. awesome. I, I'll tell you, I saw you in uh, Grilled Cheese Cat at Yellowwood randomly. Do you know about this? Oh, the, you must. I totally, you were in I it. I kind of forgot that I did. Yeah, it was like a construction. Yep. <laughs> construction and I was it very was excited because I didn't. I had no idea I was about to see you, and I was like, Oh, yeah, that's Corey Domino. I. Yeah, I, I kind of love when that happens where, like, yeah. I, I go to something and, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, thank you guys again. Uh, and, yeah, thank you, Corey. You guys have a great evening, afternoon, morning, night, whatever, and I love you. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.